Chapters 3 and 3.1 of the 9-11 Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Biddy. The 9-11 Commission Report, Chapter 3. Counterterrorism Evolves. In Chapter 2, we describe the growth of a new kind of terrorism and a new terrorist organization, especially from 1988 to 1998, when Osama bin Laden declared war and organized the bombing of two U.S. embassies. In this chapter, we trace the parallel evolution of government efforts to counter terrorism by Islamic extremists against the United States. We mention many personalities in this report. As in any study of the U.S. government, some of the most important characters are institutions. We will introduce various agencies and how they adapted to a new kind of terrorism. Chapter 3.1 From the Old Terrorism to the New The First World Trade Center Bombing At 18 minutes after noon on February 26, 1993, a huge bomb went off beneath the two towers of the World Trade Center. This was not a suicide attack. The terrorist parked a truck bomb with a timing device on level B2 of the underground garage, then departed. The ensuing explosion opened a hole seven stories up. Six people died, more than a thousand were injured. An FBI agent at the scene described the relatively low number of fatalities as a miracle. President Bill Clinton ordered his National Security Council to coordinate the response. Government agencies swung into action to find the culprits. The counter-terrorist center located at the CIA combed its files and queried sources around the world. The National Security Agency, NSA, the huge Defense Department Signals Collection Agency, ramped up its communications intercept network and searched its database for clues. The New York field office of the FBI took control of local investigation and, in the end, set a pattern for future management of terrorist incidents. Four features of this episode have significance for the story of 9-11. First, the bombing signaled a new terrorist challenge, one whose rage and malice had no limit. Ramsi Youssef, the Sunni extremist who planted the bomb, said later that he had hoped to kill 250,000 people. Second, the FBI and the Justice Department did excellent work investigating the bombing. Within days, the FBI identified a truck remnant as a part of a Ryder rental van reported stolen in Jersey City the day before the bombing. Mohammed Salameh, who had rented the truck and reported it stolen, kept calling the rental office to get back his $400 deposit. The FBI arrested him there on March 4, 1993. In short order, the Bureau had several plotters in custody, including Nidal Ayad, an engineer who had acquired chemicals for the bomb, and Mahmoud Abu Halima, who had helped mix the chemicals. The FBI identified another conspirator, Ahmad Ajay, who had been arrested by immigration authorities at John F. Kennedy International Airport in September 1992, and charged with document fraud. His traveling companion was Ramzi Youssef, who had also entered with fraudulent documents but claimed political asylum and was admitted. It quickly became clear that Yusef had been a central player in the attack. He had fled to Pakistan 
immediately after the bombing and would remain at large for nearly two years. The arrests of Salame, Abu Halima, and Ayad led the FBI to the Farouk Mosque in Brooklyn, where a central figure was Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, an extremist Sunni Muslim cleric who had moved to the United States from Egypt in 1990. In speeches and writings, the sightless Rahman, often called the Blind Sheikh, preached the message of Sayyid Qurub's milestones, characterizing the United States as the oppressor of Muslims worldwide, and asserting that it was their religious duty to fight against God's enemies. An FBI informant learned of the plan to bomb major New York landmarks, including the Holland and Lincoln tunnels. Disrupting this landmark's plot, the FBI in June 1993 arrested Rahman and various Confederates. As a result of the investigations and arrests, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York prosecuted and convicted multiple individuals, including Ajay, Salame, Ayad, Abu Halima, the Blind Sheikh, and Ramsey Youssef, for crimes related to the World Trade Center bombing and other plots. An unfortunate consequence of this superb investigative and prosecutorial effort was that it created an impression that the law enforcement system was well equipped to cope with terrorism. Neither President Clinton, his principal advisers, the Congress, nor the news media felt prompted until later to press the question of whether the procedures that put the blind Sheikh and Ramsey Youssef behind bars would really protect Americans against the new virus of which these individuals were just the first symptoms. Third, the successful use of the legal system to address the first World Trade Center bombing had the side effect of obscuring the need to examine the character and extent of the new threat facing the United States. The trials did not bring the Bin Laden network to the attention of the public and policymakers. The FBI assembled and the U.S. Attorney's Office put forward some evidence showing that the men in the dock were not only plotters. Materials taken from Ajay indicated that the plot or plots were hatched at or near the Khaldan camp, a terrorist training camp on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. Ajay had left Texas in April 1992 to go there to learn how to construct bombs. He had met Ramzi Youssef in Pakistan, where they discussed bombing targets in the United States and assembled a terrorist kit that included bomb-making manuals, operations guidance, videotapes advocating terrorist action against the United States, and false identification documents. Youssef was captured in Pakistan following the discovery by the police in the Philippines in January 1995 of the Manila air plot, which envisioned placing bombs on board a dozen Trans-Pacific airliners and setting them off simultaneously. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, Youssef's uncle, then located in Qatar, was a fellow plotter of Youssef's in the Manila air plot, and had also wired him some money prior to the Trade Center bombing. The U.S. attorney obtained an indictment against KSM in January 1996, but an official in the government of Qatar probably warned him about it. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed evaded capture and stayed at large to play a central part in the 9-11 attacks. The law enforcement process is concerned with proving the guilt of persons apprehended and charged. Investigators and prosecutors could not present all the evidence of possible involvement of individuals other than those charged, although they continued to pursue such investigations. 
planning or hoping for later prosecutions. The process was meant by its nature to mark for the public the events as finished, case solved, justice done. It was not designed to ask if the events might be harbingers of worse to come, nor did it allow for aggregating and analyzing facts to see if they could provide clues to terrorist tactics more generally, methods of entry and finance, and mode of operation inside the United States. Fourth, although the bombing heightened awareness of a new terrorist danger, successful prosecutions contributed to widespread underestimation of the threat. The government's attorneys stressed the seriousness of the crimes and put forward evidence of Youssef's technical ingenuity. Yet the public image that persisted was not of clever Youssef, but of stupid Salame going back again and again to reclaim his $400 truck rental deposit. End of chapter 3.1 Recording by Biddy